Grace, mercy, and peace to you. From God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is our hope and our strength, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So, we've gone through several weeks at the end of the church year in which our lessons often spoke about the end times. Then we passed through the Advent season in a new church year, which also spoke about the preparations to receive the Savior, both as the Christ child and as triumphant Lord and King. Are you fed up with hearing about Jesus' return now? I sure hope you're not. Because if you stop and think about it, that promised return is really the only certain hope that we have of joy and safety, isn't it? We've had quite a ride this year on planet Earth. Ongoing strife in many places around the globe, some of which are still heating up and threatening to explode beyond their current boundaries. Financial meltdowns, fueled in part by greed, in part by nonchalance, and in part by sheer ignorance and incompetence. A year of politics such as never been seen before, the drama of which continues even now, well beyond Election Day. As we gather together tonight in worship, it's fine for us to acknowledge that New Year's Eve doesn't really have a particular theological importance to us. We come together, though, in worship because gathering in worship is what Christians do. The more often, the better. Doing so when reflecting upon the events of this earthly life and upon both the dangers and the opportunities of the future, as many people do around the turning of the new year, well, that's a good thing, I think. It's a good way for us to keep grounded in those things that are beyond this life. Those things that give us hope and certainty in the midst of the chaos and the anxiety which daily surround us. Hearing the bold and quiet comfort of God's promises and receiving His sure and eternal benefits, even though they come in seemingly ordinary ways sometimes, that helps us to to turn down the volume a bit on those who are shrieking all around us in gloom and in panic. Our Savior Jesus Christ promises us in the text for tonight that He will come again. And He wants us to be ready for Him. Like a little child who runs into his, his or her father's arms when, when the dad returns from work, we also can expect to receive Jesus with joy if we are ready for His return. For Christians, this return will be a day in which we can have great anticipation. We can look forward to it with great joy. It is the day in which everything that we have believed in without seeing will then become fully visible and fully realized. Many people don't seem to think that the second coming of Christ is going to be something joyful. Even many Christians, it seems, live in a constant fear of the second coming of Christ. 
They can't sleep at night because they don't know whether they are ready or not to meet Jesus. And unfortunately, there are plenty of preachers around what is sometimes known as Christendom who have fed into this fear because they preach about the second coming of Christ in a very scary way. Maybe they think that they can somehow threaten people or scare them into becoming Christians if they remind them that Jesus will come again to judge both the living and the dead. But those important words from our familiar creeds are not a threat to believers. Instead, they are a promise, a certainty, a hopeful expectation. If you look at the Bible, neither Jesus nor his apostles tried to scare people to faith by threatening them with Jesus' second coming. When they spoke the gospel and they invited others to receive Jesus, they did it by describing salvation, not condemnation. They spoke of the identity and the life of Jesus Christ and the love that God showed to humanity in becoming a human being like you and me. When Jesus talks about his second coming, it is done in order to encourage those who already believe in him, not to threaten those who don't. It is to tell them that all of the promises that he has given them will one day be theirs, will be completely fulfilled. The gospel text for tonight contains a beautiful image of what is going to happen when Jesus comes for the second time. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Imagine this. You show up for work one day, and your boss meets you at the door and says, Today, I'm going to do your job. Instead, you can go over to the golf course or the shopping mall and enjoy yourself on me. Here, take my car. It probably sounded just as unbelievable when Jesus told his disciples this parable. This is not just the way things that work in the world, is it? We don't expect that sort of a thing. It's the servants and the workers who have to wait on the, on the master or the boss, right? Not the other way around. But it, here we see that it's going to be the master who wait on the servants. Jesus says it another way in a different instance. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink? Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. See, that's how it's supposed to be when we're in this life. We serve the Master in gratitude for all of the blessings that He has bestowed upon us. But when Jesus comes again, it's going to be different. Then it is going to be the Master who will serve the servants. 
Then God's own Son will wrap His apron around Himself and be the servant of those who have been expecting Him. Jesus tells His disciples and tells us about His second coming because He wants us to be ready. But He also tells them it may take a time before He comes again. And even in the early church, there were plenty of people around who made fun of Christians because they were walking around waiting on the return of Christ. The Apostle uh, Peter was familiar with this situation when he wrote, They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But in response to that question about the delay of Jesus' second coming, Peter writes, continuing, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The fact that Jesus' second coming may be delayed for a while is something that He wants us to be prepared for. But He also wants us to be ready for Him when He does come. He predicts, of course, that there will be plenty who will not be ready for Him. And they will receive their due consequences for that. A few verses further down from our text for this evening, we read, The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. No doubt verses like these have caused a great deal of fear about Jesus' second coming. Jesus makes it clear that we do need to be ready when he comes again. But exactly what does it mean to be ready? First of all, one thing must be emphasized, and that is what being ready does not mean. To be ready does not mean that we know when Jesus is coming. Jesus makes it crystal clear in the Scriptures that no one knows when He comes again. His second coming will be equally surprising as His first coming. And we're just going through that part of the church year when we recount about how unprepared the world was to receive Him the first time, even among His chosen people. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect Him. More than that, when He was walking around here on the earth, even Jesus Himself did not know when He would come again. He said, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Nevertheless, many people do seem to think that 
To be ready for Jesus' second return means to know when He is coming. They make themselves busy trying to figure out exactly when this will be, to interpret the signs of the times and attempt to figure out a countdown of days, almost like a, an advent calendar for Jesus' second coming. And it appears that the purpose of doing all this is to scare people. They claim that we've now progressed this far toward Jesus' return according to the schedule of the end times, so now we have to be looking out. This is a great heresy. This is a false teaching. A few years ago, you'll probably recall about so many people telling us that the end of the millennium would trigger the return of Christ. But we haven't heard much lately about that, have we? What does it truly mean to be ready? Well, again, in some of the verses following our text tonight, Jesus explains his parable. The servant who is not ready, he says, is the one who says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then, he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. In other words, the unfaithful servant is living his life as though his master will not return. He thinks that he can abuse his power and his autonomy as much as he wants because no one will ever hold him accountable. But that's not the case at all. Jesus says, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and, ass <clears throat> and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Not exactly the sort of situation that most of those who reject Christ are expecting, is it? For those who are not ready... Jesus' second coming will be a very unpleasant surprise. The servant who is ready, on the other hand, is the one who constantly does what his master has asked him and entrusted him to do. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. The faithful servant does not have to make any special preparation when the master comes. For that servant is always ready. He does not need to know the time of his master's arrival. He is ready regardless. That is how Jesus is encouraging us to live our lives. And the good thing is, we know what Jesus expects of us. We know from the Scriptures what Jesus wants us to do. The Apostle John tells us about some Jews who came to Jesus and asked Him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. It is helpful to consider what it means when Jesus compares his relationship to the church with the relationship between a bridegroom and a bride. When Jesus comes again, he comes to get his bride. That is why the thought of Jesus' second coming, it's not a scary thought to me at all. Because of the perfect love that Jesus has, there is nothing 
nothing at all that will ever keep me from being together with Him for eternity. In general, we have a lot of practice in preparation in our day-to-day lives, don't we? Our entire lives, in a sense, are always about being prepared for something, being prepared to have something to say, being ready to react in a certain way to a given set of circumstances in our work, being ready for a presentation or for a class project or a test or a quiz. And it can be quite stressful for us to have this pressure on us to be ready at all times. Do you sometimes have nightmares about not being ready? I had a dream a few times when I was in college that I'd forgotten to drop a class during a semester. It was coming up on the time for finals, and I kept dreaming that I was still going to have to show up and take that final exam without having done any of the readings, without having attended any of the class sessions, heard any of the lectures, without having done any of the homework, or done any of the prior tests or quizzes. My grade for that class for the entire semester was going to depend on my lack of preparation. And I had nothing. But how can we be ready for Jesus when He comes again? For those of us who believe in Him, it's really not hard. Thanks to God's working upon me and upon you, I know what I'm going to say, and I'm sure so do you. What's even better, I know what Jesus is going to say. That's why, unlike that horrible dream I kept having about that exam, I'm not worried about it. Because I know that Jesus wants me. Jesus has said so. I also know that He has prepared me. I know that He came to the world to save not the righteous, but to save sinners. And therefore, I know with absolute certainty that He came to save me. And He came to save people like me, sinners. And He's done all the necessary preparations for me. He called me to faith through the working of the Holy Spirit in word and in sacrament. He uses the power of that same Holy Spirit to continually call me to repentance. He gives me and He assures me of the reality of His forgiveness. And He strengthens my faith. And He equips me to serve Him through service to my neighbor. All of this keeps me in the faith. And that makes me ready for His joyous and triumphant return. Whenever that happens, in my lifetime or beyond. As His precious child, that description fits you perfectly also. For you, this night, like every other time in your life in Christ, is indeed the beginning of a very happy new year. When Jesus, your bridegroom, comes, you will be ready to return, to run back into His arms and to welcome Him, to be united once again with Him who has loved you, and who has given you His peace, His peace which passes all human understanding. Happy New Year, in Jesus' name. Amen.